welcome back to The Uncensored Woman. I am your host, Heather Christine. Today is Halloween spooky season, if you will. So, happy Halloween to everyone out there. Probably by the time you are going to listen to this, it will be after midnight, but your festivities could go on the whole weekend like our ours are me and my family we're doing an event at church tomorrow so happy halloween i hope you and your family had a great halloween and a safe halloween and it was memorable for today i found it fitting to tell you guys about a known killer in my family yes i am related to a killer one of my distant cousins when I was little me and my mother went on a trip to Muhlenberg Kentucky which is a small town in Kentucky to see her dad's side of the family we had a great time you know it was people I hadn't seen in forever we see my great-grandparents everything was all good and then at least what seemed to me like a few weeks later one of the people that I had gotten really close to on a day of uh, visiting my great-grandparents like not close as in like oh we talk to each other all the time I mean he was an adult and I was a child but I was like in close contact with him. Well, this man murdered four other people in my family not long after we left. And for the longest time, it gave me the complete creeps. So yes, we're going to get into all of that today. It's not going to be the longest episode, but I thought it was super fitting for the day. But before we hop into the main segment, Please do not forget to download The Uncensored Woman on whatever platform you're listening on. And if you are on iTunes, please give The Uncensored Woman a review. You guys know how much I appreciate it, as well as I appreciate all my day one loyal listeners, as well as my new listeners. Welcome. I hope you like the vibe here and all my weirdness that go with it. But yeah, you guys, without further ado, we're not going to waste any more time. Let's hop into this creepy ass episode. Okay, I hope you all enjoyed that ominous, weird ass music in the beginning. (laughs) I promise my intro music is not changing. It is just changing for this specific Halloween episode. I found it to be fitting. Um, Second thing, if you hear the TV or my kids, which they've been instructed to be quiet, don't worry, I'm not a terrible mother and making them be quiet just so I can record. It is very late right now as I'm recording. It's past 11 p.m. They've had a long fun day, so uh, it's you know, I feel pretty okay about telling them to quiet down so I can record an episode because after this episode, they're going to get their little booties in bed. And then third, gosh, I have so much to address before I can even hop into the episode today. I am so excited to announce that my schedule is shifting 
I am going down to first shift finally. You guys, I am so happy. Third shift was messing with me so much mentally and physically and I felt like I never had time with my kids because I would have to sleep and it was just it, it was draining like I just I'm a night owl that's what's crazy about it like I thought I would love third shift but it really doesn't work when you're a single parent of four and when you deal with I guess mental health issues because I was having all kinds of panic attacks and I would wake up crying sometimes feeling like I was missing out on so much of life in the day and you know what my kids had to do and every day now I'll be off before three o'clock I mean I do go in really early but I would much rather get my day over with early you know and and get work over with and then have the rest of the afternoon with my kids versus you know sleeping all day waiting for work and then you really just don't have any type of life you know besides having kids you know respect to you all that pull third shift your whole lives because I don't know how you all even keep a life together it's that's just crazy to me but anywho so this this story today, which is very true by the way, um, you once I give the name out, you can feel free to look it up. It is very real to my family. It was a very devastating time. This was all over the news, CBS, ABC, CNN. I believe at one point Nancy Grace even covered it. I believe their uh, funerals were on TV. They played Arms of an Angel by Sarah McLaughlin, and four adults were chilled, were, were chilled, gosh, <laughs> were killed. It's not funny, but sometimes I just mess up words, and I'm like, what is even wrong with you? I don't do this when I'm not recording. That's what's so funny about it, but four adults were killed, and one of the adults was pregnant, um, and they, the the pregnant couple also had a little girl at the time. Now, her life was spared, but her parents weren't. Um, so, you know, growing up my whole life, I kind of had the creeps anyways. I don't know if I've ever talked about this in any of the episodes, but I, I know you all know for a fact if you've been listening to me for a long time. I was a super daddy's girl growing up. Like, I loved everything about my dad. But one thing that gave me the creeps, though, is like when my parents first started dating, my dad was a mortician before he moved over to a different, complete different type of job that ended up being a career. And that's where he was when when he passed away. But before that career, he was a mortician. It did not bother my dad. Death didn't bother him. He could literally eat a sandwich in another room after he embalmed a body. I think the reason that he inevitably got out of that profession is because him and my mother had me and then my sister. And when you have kids, 
I think your empathy level goes way up. Not saying my dad didn't have empathy or sympathize before because he certainly did. My dad had a huge heart, but all of a sudden everything matters to you. You know, God forbid you have to, you know, because it does happen. You have to embalm a, a child that hits too close to home. So he eventually did change careers. But he was just super casual, always about death, because honestly, it is a taboo subject. But the one thing in life that is 110% certain is that we are all going to die eventually. None of us are going to live forever. That's just not going to happen. But when I talk about death, my heart races. I don't it just freaks me out. I don't want to think about dying. It's so scary. I don't want to think about anybody else I know dying. It just panics the shit out of me. And, you know, it just, but he would talk about it left and right, you know, like it was a normal, I'm saying like it was a normal thing, like it's not a normal thing. It is a normal thing. But I think a lot of people have the same fear as I do. Like, you don't want to speak it upon yourself. So you just don't want to talk about it. Let's, like, not talk about it. Let's, we know we got one shot. Let's just live it up and not think about it. But at the end of the day, I will emphasize this in here before I get on with the story. Death is inevitable. And so knowing that, just make sure that you set your family upright. That's one thing that I did appreciate when my dad passed away. No matter how heartbreaking it was, he had life insurance, he had retirement, he had a will, he had his plans. And basically all I had to do as his oldest child was pick the stuff out and give him a nice funeral. And I didn't have to worry about expenses or any of that because, or, you know, how he wanted to be buried. It was all taken care of. And that, you know, when, when someone you love dies, or when you die and you leave your loved ones behind, that's a very, very stressful time anyways, because it's heartbreaking. So the last thing you want your family to have to worry about is how they're going to be able to afford it or what you want done with your body. So just keep that in mind, if you will. Anywho, back in labor, I think it was not Labor Day, Memorial Day, back in Memorial Day. I think it was Memorial Day weekend in 1999. My mom and I um, went to Muhlenberg, Kentucky to visit some of her dad's side of the family. We would often, you know, go up there and then go to Kentucky Lake or down there or whatever and go to Kentucky Lake and all that other stuff. And we went and visited them. And uh, Ma and Pa, we seen them, and then we seen distant cousins and all that other stuff. You know, it was great for my mom. She just wanted to catch up. And one day when we were at my mom and Pa's, we were sitting in the living room, and my mom's Aunt Beverly walked in, which is my papa's sister. She walked in, and her son, her adult son, Terry walked in too and they were just as nice as they could be I mean Terry didn't talk much but we were all sitting in that living room together and the one thing that I remember 
I think I was like, I was like 11 at the time. The one thing that I remember is that Beverly bragged and bragged and bragged about her son, Terry, and how she was so happy to be his mom and she loved him so much. And, you know, she just went on and on and on, which is super, super sad and creepy to think about now. But, you know, I, I mean, I didn't look at it weird. This is family. She's proud of her son. Hey, we're reunited. We're seeing everybody. This is a cool trip. Yada, yada, yada. We had fun for the rest of our trip. And then we went home. Um, then, what wasn't long after, we get a call that... Terry, the one I was talking about, Beverly's son, has killed his mom and dad and his cousins and had held our cousin's daughter in, uh, or for hostage before he surrendered over to the police. But he spared her life and he was gonna get, he was gonna try to go down to my mom Paul's and, and kill them too. However, he didn't make it in time because the police were coming, so he just held, what, what can I call her? Because the only person's name in here, I want to say, are those that are already dead because it doesn't matter. Their names are everywhere in Terry's because he's the murderer, but the little girl, just I do want to protect her identity, so instead of her real name, I'm going to try to remember to call her Sarah. So, June 28th, 1999, Terry Todd Wedding, he is accused of killing his parents, a popular police officer, and his pregnant wife. Now, those were the cousins. Terry Todd Wedding, 27, pleaded innocent to four counts of murder. According to police, Wedding shot and killed his mother, he beat his father to death in a field, you guys, with a baseball bat, then shot and killed police officer Joey, a pastor and wedding's first cousin, and Vincent's wife. Police believe wedding first killed his parents, Manville Todd Wedding, 59, and Beverly W. Wedding, 56, in an open field about a mile from the family home in DePoy, Kentucky. Then he killed Vincent, 29, and his 22-year-old wife, Amy, in the driveway of their home, which is adjacent to the home of Wedding and his parents. The Vincent's three-year-old daughter was found inside unharmed. And like I said, he did not harm her, but he did hold her hostage inside. Um, and then here is, is just another little piece of an article. On June 27, 1999, Terry Todd Wedding went in on a deadly rampage that shocked the state of Kentucky. Um, and then it goes over the mu the murders again, and then how he stole $1,200 from the parents he had just murdered. He was taking lethal revenge for his relatives committing him for a short stay in Western State Hospital in Hopkinsville, Kentucky. 
He eventually pleaded guilty to the murders and was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Greenville, a small town of about 4,500 people, flags flew at half-mast. Library worker Sandra Galen said, I think everyone's just in shock. You hear something like that about such good people and you just don't believe it. You know down deep it's the truth, but your mind just won't let you believe it. So it really, just for a small town in Kentucky, I mean, this shocked the whole town, obviously, and the surrounding towns. It also shocked the state and the country. I mean, this was national news, you guys, and it was my family. And that is probably one of the scariest feelings you can ever possibly have. You want to talk about having trust issues as a child? That is definitely it. Because, I mean, I'm sure even as an adult, it messes with your psyche. But as a child, you start looking at everything so different. And that actually started my fear for a long time of guns. And logically, I always knew like, hey, a gun just can't get up and shoot you. You know, somebody has to use it. But it was it was just the thought of it being able to kill somebody. Everything freaked me out and I looked at everyone different and I would have nightmares. I mean, you guys, a couple of weeks prior to this, I mean, I was sitting in the same living room as this guy and his mother, the one that he killed or one of them that he killed was bragging on him. And I mean, what if he would have decided to go on that rampage that day? You know, we could have been in the crossfire and not even had known it. it. It's it's crazy to me. But anyways, so I gave you all the actual facts. And now I'm going to tell you all the story per my and my family's perspective. Now, anytime something happens, it's almost like a game of telephone. Okay, so whether it's friends or family, something gets added in, things get twisted around, and by the time it gets to you, there's some details off. So I don't know how many details in my personal story that's off that I'm about to tell, but I'm just going to tell my version of it um, as the way that I heard it. So, basically, Terry had been committed. His parents had committed him. He was having a lot of problems, and he was making deals, like literally making deals with the devil. I think he had bipolar, maybe schizophrenia. Like, he was just having a bunch of issues. Obviously, his parents didn't commit him to be hateful. They just wanted him to get help. And thus, this starts the plot for their killing, though. So, he gets out of this place after being committed, and the best revenge is to kill everybody that that 
you think thinks you're crazy, right? I mean, to us, that sounds like, what the hell? But I guess at the time, to him, it made sense. So, he gets home. I think he actually, first he shot his mother, Beverly, I believe. He took her out to a field and shot her. And then he was waiting for his dad to get home. So he went and had pizza, cleaned out his truck, came back and lured his father in telling him that he needed to come back through the woods, that there was something wrong with Beverly. So when he gets back there, I believe, no, nobody was there except for Terry, but I believe Terry and his dad seen that Beverly was dead and his dad didn't have any time to react. He just started beating him to death with a baseball bat. He gets done killing his father and he waits for our cousins to get home from church. I believe this happened on a Sunday. I don't have enough time to check, but I believe so. Now, I could be totally wrong on this again, but anyways, Joey and his wife get home and he shoots and kills them both. Like I said, the wife is pregnant and he is going to walk up the street and kill my great-grandparents. But something went off in his brain and he he just went back and he held the cousin's little girl, Sarah, hostage and finally surrendered her to the police. But the, the plan was is that he was going to kill his parents our cousins, and then my great-grandparents, but luckily he never made it to my great-grandparents to kill them. Now, if you're like, well, how can he walk to all these people's houses in the family? So, on my papa's side of the family, they had their own street in this town. So, they had their own gravel road street where they all lived. My great-grandparents lived at the very front of it. They had a lot of land and then you go back down the gravel road and that's where Terry and his parents lived and Joey and Amy and Sarah, that's where they all lived. So they were literally right on next to each other and that's how he decided to make his moves. So all this is basically just a big game of revenge for him for being committed into like a mental institution or the mental place of the hospital. He did not like that at all. As I'm speaking to you guys right now, he is still locked up. Obviously, he did not get the death sentence. He just got life without the possibility of of parole, as I said. And he does still have a living sister. Bless her heart. I'm not going to say her name. We'll, We'll just call her Julie. She's doing just fine today, and I find her to be one of the most courageous people ever because 
you know, this was hard on me and this was distant family. This was scary for me. I never looked at anything the same. I still don't because now I know. I mean, it happened within my own family. If if you're somebody in your family has it in them to snap and kill other people in your family, like anybody can go crazy. Okay, that'll make you see things completely differently, but especially for Julie, his sister, I just, I don't know how she went on like this. She eventually moved and she shared her testimony once, you know, saying, of course, she was mad at her brother for a very long time and held a bunch of resentment towards him, as would anyone, and didn't want anything to do with him. And she prayed on it over the years and prayed on it. And finally, not too long ago, she went to visit him and she forgave him. And it's, I've, I've talked about this before, but you know, sometimes when you forgive people, it's really not for that other person, but it's to lift that weight off of yourself because whether you want to believe it or not, holding any anger and animosity towards anybody else sometimes hurts you way more than it hurts the other person. And she just had to let it go and forgive him. I really don't know how she came up with the strength for, for that, but she did it and she talks to him regularly now. And, um, Sarah, the little girl that was held hostage and was spared from being killed, she is obviously older now and doing very well for herself, but I can just let you all know from a family that's faced having a killer within it and then also having murders within it, it changes the dynamics greatly. And nothing is really ever the same because you see how fast people can turn and you see these, this other face of people. And in my childhood, this was, this just changed. Like I said, it changed things for me. It just, it made me look at things through a different lens. And, you know, I'll say I still have trust issues from that to this day. I mean, I could never imagine being able to, you know, shoot my parents to death, much less to beat them to death with a baseball bat, no matter what happened between me and them. Like, my mind can't comprehend that as well as I'm going to hope most of our minds can't comprehend that. But I know my family it took strength in the fact that because my family is full of Christians and believers. So they take strength in the fact that they are all in heaven together now and everything is is peaceful now, you guys, after this, after these murders, I, it took me a while to want to go back down there. And I never again went to my mom, Paul's house again. I did not want to be at that house. I did not want to be on the street. It gave me the creeps. It, it was, it's, it's, it's still terrible. It's still terrible to rehash and just knowing that you are related to 
a spree killer. That's what they classify him as. Like that, it's it's just it's beyond my imagination. It's it's something that sometimes just seems like it's it's so crazy and so scary. Sometimes it seems like it is fake. But you know, like I said, this happened in the, like what 1999 was 21 years ago, almost 22 years ago. Our family thankfully has moved forward. Like I said, his sister is doing good for herself these days and the little girl Sarah is doing good for herself and or for herself and Terry is doing I guess as best as he can behind bars. But yeah, I I know I've talked about it with a few people and people are like, you know, you should really talk about that and you know let and tell people all about it. And if I can ever get somebody in my family to do an episode with me and talk more in depth about these killings and about the dynamics between our family. I will certainly do that if you all want to know anything else about all of these events. But yeah, I thought this was fitting for today's Halloween episode. I hope you guys enjoyed. Remember, that nothing is ever bad enough to turn on somebody like that and then do something like that. If you start to feel those feelings, please go get yourself some help because it really does fuck people up that are left behind. It, it messes their emotions up for lives and their thoughts on people and how they trust people. So yeah. Just please go get the help if you really do need it. But like I said, happy Halloween, guys. I hope you all had such an amazing day and weekend. And the point of me also, the point of me telling you all about my work schedule earlier in the episode, I realized I didn't even say why, is to tell you all that I'll be able to record a little bit earlier on Saturdays now so I can actually get them out maybe at a decent time. That's what the plan is, but I'll let you all know if anything changes. That's going to wrap up today's episode, though, guys. For today, I have been your host, Heather Christine. You guys have just listened to The Uncensored Woman. Peace, love, and happiness. And I'll talk to you guys again next week. Bye.